Hello and welcome back to ESPN Scrum Reset. It's Sam Bruce being joined today by Christy Doran as regular and also welcoming in uh, Brittany Mitchell for the second time this year. was on match duty for ESPN. Uh, guys, thanks for, for backing up after a late one last night, but I guess it's uh, it's always easier, Britt, uh, getting up and going after a, a comprehensive win like that uh, Wallabies one was last night. Yeah, I was uh, really hoping that it wouldn't be you covering the win last week and me having to do the turnaround with a defeat. So it was it was a pretty nice feeling waking up and thinking to myself, man, that was such a great win. I just had the uh, replay on then and my dad's going, calm down, you've already seen it. And I was like, but it was just so good. <laughs> Always worth a second when it uh, comes in that fashion. Christy, um, obviously working furiously away for, for Fox Sports last night, mate. Um, let's get cracking. I'll, I'll come to you first of all. Um, now, we had uh, the sixth test last year under Dave Rennie, and uh, that was now the three, three, the eighth of this season. Um, so let's call it 14 tests in total of the Dave Rennie era, if my math serves me correctly. Uh, straight up, was that the best performance of the Dave Rennie era to date? Well, just to begin with, I haven't left the house just yet, but I already feel like there's many more Australian track suits that have been worn around the, the country, <laughs> including Johnny Howard. Uh, wherever he might be in Sydney. But yes, it was the best performance by a long, long way. Um, it, it it surpasses the achievement of the first Bledisloe test in Wellington last year, um, where the Wallabies had a phenomenal draw, if you can call a draw phenomenal. But they were pretty one-dimensional on that afternoon in Windy Wellington, where Nick White's box kicking really tested the All Blacks' back three, particularly Damien McKenzie. We saw last night in Brisbane uh, in the second test against the Springboks, a complete game, I think, between absolute clinical finishing, which is something that you've never associated with the Wallabies for, for you know, some years now. Um, and defensively, they measured up um, particularly... Uh, at stages in the first half early on where there was a bit of pressure, but also in the second half and, and right throughout the last 15 minutes, where 25 minutes really, where they turned defence into attack and, and then later on for the last 12 minutes managed to hold the spring box out and see police. He said in his post-match comments that, look, we had a lot of possession down in their 22, 22, but we just couldn't do anything. And every time that they did, they generally came away with points. And I think that summed it up pretty well. Yeah, Christy, I couldn't agree more that the word you use complete. Um, it, it's not so a word you could use really much about um, too often around Wallaby's performances of uh, going back through the Michael Checker era that they, as you say, and as Sia Khaleesi mentioned as well, they were just dominated in, in every facet of the game. And and the big thing for me is um, now we've had two weeks in a row where they've made their man advantage count in the first half. Um, Faf de Klerk, Britt goes gets rightfully sinned early for that cynical knockdown there at the breakdown, and they strike through Lenny Ikatau, uh not long after. And while the box were able to stay in the game in that first half through the boot of, of Andre Pollard, um, and I guess that always kind of kept things on edge for, for the Wallabies, the coaching staff, and everyone at Suncorp, um, they never panicked. They, uh, they kept their defensive line, as Christy said, and that was a big bit, um, and uh, and really just managed the game um, from start to finish. Uh, what really stood out for you? Yeah, I think you you mentioned that there they were under pressure quite a few times in the game, and and Pollard did keep them in it um, through his boot. But it was something that 
you know, you don't see the Wallabies too often keep their calm and their composure. Um, you know, there was a good period there in the, the end of the, the first half and the, the beginning of the second. The uh, Springboks came back um, straight after the break. Faf put them over the line. They're ahead for the first time the whole game. And, you know, those are those moments that in the past that they, the Wallabies would start to crumble a little bit and, and their composure would start to eat away at them. And um, last night you saw, you know, they were cool heads. They, uh, you got Quade Cooper in the middle there who, and, and Karevi who uh, brought their experience to the game and, and they just were so mature in just keeping the ball rolling, keeping the, um, the Wallabies in it. Um, and they just they just really made, <laughs> I feel like I'm repeating myself there, but yeah, they just maintained the composure and they and they didn't let the box just uh, take over the game. They could have it got a bit fr- frantic there. There was a few minutes there was a passage of play where the ball was just going everywhere and the, the pace was just out of control. And normally that's when the Wallabies start to fall apart. That's you know against the All Blacks they just find the, the gaps in defence and and then um, you know it's game over. But the defensive line held really strong. You know, 96% um, tackle rate in defence is just unbelievable. And then, um, as Chrissy mentioned, they just turned around those opportunities straight into attack and were scoring these tries. And they just looked um, really exceptional when they were doing it as well. Sammy, I'm going to highlight, I think, two or the, the a couple of plays that I thought were really influential in the end result, we know that the Marika Corabetti counter ruck was was key at the, on the stroke of halftime. Yep. Maybe we'll talk about those sorts of things later on with around the breakdown. But the Nick White box kick to um, to to win the Wallabies possession after the, the phenomenal kick chase from Falau Fyinga to to smash Mapimpi into touch was yep. really influential because. Not only did Quade Cooper make the correct decision to not throw a, a cutout pass or, or search for space on the fringes, he took a, a hard tackle. Um, he, he's copying a bit. He ran into the teeth of the defence there. And then straight away, Nick White realising that, hey, we need to put ball, boot to ball here. It was a very good, astute play from an experienced halfback. But you have to have a kick chase. Falafine did that. And then shortly after, just moments later, three points to Quade Cooper, which stopped an 11-point rot um, around the 50-minute mark. And that was really influential and just in settling down the things. Like when you've conceded 11 straight points, including that earlier try that Britt spoke of to Lucania M um, off the boot, a clever kick from the opposite number nine, Faf to Clerk, it was, a, it was a telling blow. And then that allowed for... Uh, and Britt spoke about the, the, the pace there and it did become a little bit frantic, but we know that against the box, that's how the Wallabies wanted to, in fact, try to play, particularly in the second half, because as Dave has made mention on a number of occasions over the last 12 months, they think that they can be the fittest side in the world and they wanted to run the spring box off, off their feet. We know that they're a giant, uh, gigantic pack and we saw the Wallabies really finish over the top of the spring box in that last half an hour. With some, you know, with with Tate McDermott coming on in the second half, midway through it, lifting the tempo and having really quick distribution out to the likes of Corbetti, who scored that second try from just a, a simple pass from Tate getting quickly to the breakdown. Tempo is the big word there, Christy, and you're right. The, the Springboks um, just really couldn't 
handle, couldn't deal with the speed of the game that the Wallabies wanted to play with. And Dave Rennie uh, mentioned on on Friday, sorry Thursday. Uh, now that we're back to Saturday games again, in his uh, he's following his team announcement there on on Thursday morning around the work that the Wallabies had done through the week on the mall defence, given the Springboks had scored three tries, their only three tries, um, or sorry, all three tries uh, on the Gold Coast that way last week. Um, didn't get into specifics, but just said there were some system errors, some kind of players being in the wrong spots there to to defend those those short, powerful drives from the box. And they really never looked like capitalising this week at all. And the amount of times the Wallabies got that early shunt on, because um, it's really about getting that that first hit and getting that forward momentum going, because it's so tough to to start from from scratch. And you know they were told to move it on just about on on every occasion. And when that wasn't working for them, um, Britt, you mentioned it in the the ESPN preview. Did they have anything else? And they've got backs there, they've got speed, but there was no deception. Um, it was just kind of shift, 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 and hope. And you know compared to what the uh, the Wallabies did and, and how they moved the ball and um, the try at the back that uh, that Lenny Ikatow scored the first one and a bit of power for the second. And then, as you say, the, the counter that led to um, Marika's first try. And, and of course, the um, the Taniela Tongan Thor ball, which um, I just love because it was just that uh, something that's so Tongan and just that individual flair that he's got in his game. And we all love to see anyone else just throws a straight ball from the hip. And uh, the Tongan Thor goes the left arm and the right arm underneath. I, I loved it. I thought it was fantastic. So um, that's probably a good starting point, Britt, to move us to, Taniela. Um, it's been a topic of discussion all year around uh, whether he should start. Is he best used coming off the coming off the bench? Now, personally, I've always been in the, of the opinion that, um, you know, you can't win a game if you're not in it from the start. Um, and I can absolutely understand why people love Taniela coming off and finishing late, but... It's it's not always that easy to influence a game off the bench if you if you don't get on and you hit your rhythm early. But last night he was there um, from the outset, um, phenomenal around the paddock, uh, scrummaging hill up pretty well. There's a couple of issues at times, but um, he's probably only muddied that. I know we're not going to see Alan for a little while now and potentially the rest of the year, depending on how uh, how long he stays away from the Wallabies camp with the birth of his his child. Um, and a great time for him, no doubt. But um, Taniela really. Took the most of the opportunity last night and, and as we say, just uh, put a little cherry on top of that pass down the short side. Yeah, I think um, what a lot of people have questioned about Taniela in the past is his scrummaging ability. It, it hasn't been his uh, number one, um, you know, skill. Uh, he's got a lot of other skill sets around the park, you know. Um, those two breaks that he made in the first half that put um, the Wallabies into space and set up, eventually set up Ikitao's tries, um, they're the points of difference that we've known about Tupo for a long time. And then, as you mentioned, that little slick pass that he, that he threw to Karen Betty to set up um, his first. Those are those points of difference that we know of um, Tupo. And they're things that, you know, if you're going to do a head-to-head moment and you're thinking, who, who am I going to put on the field? Who am I going to start? That's what's going to put him over the top. And now that his, scrum, his scrummaging has... Um, gone forward and I mean there was a few little issues last night and, and he may have pushed the boundaries a little bit um there he's now up to it and I think it's right like it's rightly so that people are discussing that he should be starting um it's great to have it's great to have a, a great a, a top scrummager but if you can add those little points of difference and you know that he's going to be running hard and he's going to deceive defense and he's going to take on you know take two three defenders with him 
and make a five meter, 10 meter run, you're setting up your whole your whole field. You're setting up your whole back line and you can see those moments when Iki Tao's going over, you've got Karevi to run off him. You've got all those things. I mean, why wouldn't you start him? And I, I think, as you mentioned, Alan Ho is out for a little bit. We don't know he's gonna, when he's going to come back. This is a perfect opportunity for um, uh, Tupo to really make that position his own. And, and it's going to be really hard to really dislodge him, especially if he does make his scrummaging, um, take, a, take his scrummaging to another level. Christy, who else up front, mate, stood out for you in the pack? Well, I thought, I thought flare flying I had a better batch. Um, the line out probably crumbled a little bit towards the back end with some extra pressure on the Felitti Kaitutu thrower. He lost a couple when he targeted the front of the line out, but you're always going to lose a couple against the box, yeah. um, particularly when they really do uh, apply pressure on it. Look, it, it's hard not to, um, to, to, to single out anyone in particular other than Taniela Tupo, I, I think. Um, it was a, it was a, I use the word complete, but I think the forward pack really stood up from a whole. You know, there was a couple of early um, discipline issues from Matt Phillip, um, some lazy sort of things once or twice around the, the more with an early push. And then also just technically, I think it was coming from the side a little bit, um, swimming around the side. Um, but but I, I think what we've seen from the Wallabies is because they haven't tried to overplay their hands, led superbly by Faith Cooper, it's allowed the forwards and the and the backs, the whole team to be better at the breakdown because they're not going from side to side exposing players like they were against the All Blacks where they were trying to basically outschool them and beat them on the fringes. Good luck doing that against the All Blacks. We, we saw enough last night where the Wallabies showed enough in attack by not having to overplay their hands. They, they played kick territory, but they also you know, through dominant carries from Taniela Tupo, got over the game line and got themselves into positions to play with quick ball and give their backs some space. That's the, the model forward for this Wallaby side, not just against the Springboks, but, but against every single international team. I, I think that, that that is necessary for the Wallabies going forward. It's just to continue on that vein. And that's why Taniela Tupo starting is, I think, imperative. If you don't have a... Taniel is one of a few well-cast players in that Australian lineup. Um, you're crazy to leave him out. Yeah, I, I agree, mate, as I stated before. And uh, he's going to get uh, what looks to be now a, uh, a few games in succession to really uh, to make it his own. But, um, yeah, phenomenal effort from the Thor last night. Uh, guys, let's move on to, um, obviously, the big injury to come out of last night, Tom Banks. Um yeah, broken arm, just kind of look, uh, he, he caught uh, one of the Springboks uh, ball carriers there a little bit uh, around the head. And I think it was just straight on the, on the arm bone. And one of those ones that, you know, you go and you make, you know, a thousand tackles and the thousand and first just hits the bone in the sweet spot. And, and it looks like, um, I think I saw Dave Rennie say six weeks out minimum, um, which probably uh, is, is not a write-off of uh, the rest of the year for him. He'd be able to make a, a comeback, um, probably those, those final three games of the spring tour, you would think. Um, so not all's not lost on that front for Tom and we wish him well in his recovery. Uh, but Christy, it opens up now a situation where I guess um, it, it's how Dave wants to play. It's an opportunity to potentially see, um, you know, another playmaker in the ranks at fullback by potentially bringing James O'Connor into that number 15 shirt. Or do you go for someone like Tom Banks who came on and played um, whatever it was about 60 odd minutes last night and, um, 
and uh, give him the opportunity. Uh, didn't look great under the high ball last night, which, mind you, none of the Wallabies back three did. And that was my, kind of my number one negative from the game that uh, you know what's coming. So, fellas, I'm sure you've been putting in a lot of work under the high ball, but I'd love to, love to see you take one or two more. Um, but you've also got that great big boot of Hodgie at one point last night. Um, you saw him just heave one straight down the middle of the paddock. Didn't find touch, but it sent the the box back into their own 22, um, just as they looked like they might be getting a little bit of a, a momentum on, and and he's able to clear that line. Um, so there's, I guess there's two options there, and it's a question of um, of how Dave thinks he, he might want to play, I guess. I think there's actually three options. I, I, I don't think James O'Connor's starting at fullback next week. Um, we, we saw that Dave Rennie uh, was disappointed that the practice match against Argentina that was touted for Friday had to be scuppered because yep. of Argentinian injuries and they wouldn't have been able to perhaps full um, fuel an entire squad, but in addition to that, maybe jeopardise the rest of their rugby championship campaign. But... Um, O'Connor, I think, is very likely to come onto the bench and uh, it will allow him to come back into the test fold. Uh, it leaves, yes, Reese Hodge um, as one strong uh, option. I think the more bold um, option would be to, to uh, quicken um, the development of, of Jordan Pataira at fullback. Um, we know that Jordan Pataira is someone that Rennie and the Wallaby selectors are interested at, at playing at fullback. He's excellent in the air and he also provides a real point of difference in attack that no other fullback in Australia can offer at the moment. And nor can we really label Pataira fullback because he's hardly featured there. But I think Hodge is the safe, the conservative and the likely option. Um, but I'd like to see at some point in time, Jordan Pataira get a crack there. I know that Eredrick Calloway harbours yeah. that role too. But I think given his um, excellence out in the wing, um, his his development, it's his first year, I think, continuing there on the right wing. Britt, uh, how do you see that that 15 spot um, moving forward? Obviously, Banks had, you know, uh, Dave Rennie has been continually saying that he's the Wallabies, the coaches have been pretty happy with him throughout. Um, you'd hardly say he'd been playing the house down, but doing enough to um, retain his spot clearly week to week. Um, bit of a blow for him, no doubt, but he'll be back. Um, which way would you go? Um, I know you're a Reese Hodge fan. Um, are you prepared to uh, let a few of those highballs that uh, went down last night uh, give him another chance next week in Townsville? Yeah, well, as you said, I am a bit of a Reese Hodge fan. You've had to cough a few of my messages over the last few weeks um, questioning the Tom Banks selection. Um, and it is a bit upsetting for Tom Banks because I think last night was his best start this year. For the Wallabies. Um, during the French series, it took him a little while to get into the games. And then against the All Blacks, a similar kind of story. And then some games, he, he kind of wasn't even even there. Um, last night was probably his best um, best game, and he only got about 25 minutes. Um, so, yeah, I would I would say I'd go the Reese Hodge option, just as, as Chrissy pointed out, he, he's the safer, safer option. Um, a bit upsetting with uh, how he looked under the high ball last night. It was an off game for him, really. Usually he's pretty, you know, safe as houses under the high ball. Um, and you'd expect him to take all those, all those um, balls, you know, nine out of ten times. Um, I think there was a, a few issues with comms around the back three. Um, at, the, at the start, it didn't look like Marika was really um, telling Reese what was going on. It, it looked like there was a bit of confusion. Who's going up? Who's, you know, what's going on? And I think that kind of 
ate away at his game a little. And then, you know, once you miss one or two, uh, your head drops and it makes it even harder to get that that next one. Um, he did, as you mentioned, he's got that massive boot and he, and he did put um, quite a few kicks down um, into the box half. And I think there was one, uh, he was just outside the 22, we just got a turnover and he just hoofed it downfield and it, it dropped, I think, a few metres in front of uh, the box 22. And if, if it had got the bounce right and just rolled a little further, it would have been a 50-22 and, and the game would have, we would have got the ball back and we would have been straight back in the box um, 22. So um, as Chrissy said, it's probably the safest, op safest option to go. I'd probably go there, but um, I'm not sure if I'd go JOC just at the moment. Um, he would be a great player to put there. And um, same with the tyre, I think it would be a really great point of difference. But um, to keep momentum going, to keep the the kind of structure that we have. And if you want to, if you want someone there that kind of replicates what we had in Tom Banks, I, I think you'd you'd stick to that option. I'm, I might just jump in here, Sam, and, and, and say a couple of things. James O'Connor, uh, it was interesting that Dave Rennie on on Thursday at team selection said that previously he wouldn't have been considered as a fullback option, and that was predominantly because he hadn't been hitting speeds that he needs to as a, as a fullback. Yeah. Um, but but I think long-term, it's not a solution. Um, this guy could certainly, as Dave said, could be considered as a utility option now going forward. But that doesn't mean that you start at fullback. That might mean that you cover positions on off, off the bench. Judge AOC still for mine is, is an inside back, a 10 or a, 12, or a 13, if you've got Karevi at 12. Um, but we know James's issues at times under the high ball. I think he's actually improved on that in recent years. I remember one Rugby Australia official last year during the uh, Super Rugby AU final was a little bit suspect by O'Connor um, being playing predominantly in the backfield in the final. But, you know, he really stood up, in fact, and, and that official was surprised. But he's had his issues under the high ball at times. But I think similarly to the Taniella Tupo decision um, to have him now start. And I think he'll probably start to own that jersey more and more. Jordan Bataille has the potential to be a world-class player. We're two years out from a World Cup. He's a genuine back three option and to start. Now's a chance for him to seize the moment. Um, whether or not his body holds up is another thing, but one can only hope. Guys, before we leave the back three, I want to isolate a play from Marika Korobiti. It's been doing the rounds on social media on Sunday morning and no doubt stood out to plenty of people in the game. Uh, just before halftime there, after Swinton had, uh, had thankfully been shown a yellow instead of a red, and we'll come to that uh, shortly. Um, he's packing down Korobiti on the, on the blind side of the scrum. Um, now, how much weight he was lending to uh, to that shunt, I'm, uh, I'm not too sure. Um, but you see him break and absolutely bust the gut to get across to the other side of the field where the, the Springboks shift wide and try to catch the Wallabies out on the opposite touchline. Um, doesn't make the tackle, but comes in there about the third man into the ruck and goes for the counter ruck, gets that, wins that first hit, drives the legs through, gets a little bit of support behind. Uh, the Wallabies drive through, get the penalty. Uh, and that's halftime. It was a phenomenal play, particularly given from where he'd come from the furthest point away on the other side of the field to bust a gut and get across there. Um, and I guess, uh, Britt, it's a bit of a, a sliding doors moment too because we know Marika's going off to Japan, um, but we know the situation we're in now that, um, and I wrote a column about this for, for SBN during the week, that we've got to start to look at Japan a little bit more uh, in a brighter light and, and think about exactly how we can use the situation at the moment kind of plays in perfectly to 
the Wallabies' hands for the back half of the year. Um, for me, it's the lesser of two evils, sending guys well, guys who want to go away and, and earn the big bucks as they're absolutely well within their rights and, and should do. Um, but Japan allows them to play the back half of the year. Now, Marika's going to do that next year. We're probably going to see a situation where, you know, given his form this year and the last few years since he won that, that John Eels medal in, in 2019, that um, we're going to want to pick him next year as well. Uh, and two weeks, or potentially as early as this Saturday in Townsville, we're going to see um, the third member of this Wallabies uh, squad that's been brought back from Japan in in Sean, Sean McMahon, sorry, um, get his first chance. And, and I think a few of us questioned, given what we've seen from Shawnee's social media, that he might not be in the greatest nick. But uh, according to the Wallabies fitness staff last week, they reckon he's he's number one in the entire squad for some of the uh, the speeds and measurements and, and fitness levels he's been putting up. So um, fantastic from Marika. But what do you see, Britt, Sean, bringing to this squad, potentially uh, maybe off the bench to start with? Who knows? Um, can he uh, offer a little bit of a point of difference to what that back row is uh, is offering up at the moment? Um, I just want to start with uh, going back to Marika. I mean, what you mentioned, him coming straight off the, the scrum and, and, and that um, counter-up was huge. But, I mean, if you watch him through the game, he's not afraid to kind of go into the ruck. I mean, there's a few times that you just see him pop up and you're going, what are you doing? But he, he's just like, it's amazing. I've never seen a wing who wants to be in the messiness of a ruck before. We'll love it so much as, as Marika does. But as you mentioned, McMahon coming, he's the, the third guy to come from Japan. And, you know, we've seen uh, Cooper and Hooper and a lot of guys coming back from Japan and their game seems to have taken, gone to another level. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I think we should expect the same thing from McMahon this week uh, we'll, with uh, Swinton with that yellow card and it's, it's an issue that he's had in the in the past he kind of um, his timing isn't he will his accuracy isn't that great he, he doesn't really get as low as he should and he's you can tell he's determined to make those big hits and so now that he's been carded maybe it's you know take him take him off the the starting um, lineup and maybe that's where you you slot McMahon straight in there um, we know he's a, a big ball carrier and he, and he can make those big hits and he is perhaps a bit more accurate. You want someone who like Swinton's trying to be this, this big um, wrecking ball kind of big hitting kind of player. Um, and he's just hasn't been as accurate as you need him to be. So why not put McMahon straight in there? Just, just a straight swap and get McMahon in there to really help out with the back row, the, the back three of, I guess, struggled a little bit to make an impact previously to last night. They hadn't really been um, as impactful as you'd hope them to be, uh, especially in, in the breakdown and, and really clearing out. Um, so, I mean, why not just slot him straight back in there? He, he definitely toughened up that group. And I I mean, I don't know what people have been saying, like from, from photos of him. I mean, I would totally agree with what the Wallabies are saying is him being fit. I mean, he looks amazing. Yeah, owner of a, of a great rig, Shawnee McMahon, no doubt about that. Uh, but um, two trips to Vegas can can take their toll as a bloke who's only been there once and was ready to come home after two nights. Uh, I have a little bit of experience in that. Uh, Christy, um, I know you're a Sean McMahon fan. I guess the big difference between what he and Lockie Swinton offer is just that little bit, you know, well, quite a lot more in ball carrying. He's got that great leg drive, Sean McMahon, doesn't he? Those metres through contact, which you'd probably have to say the Wallabies are still a little bit light on for up front. A guy who can, you know, 
uh, he hits that defensive wall, drives the legs and, and pitches those extra two or three metres more often than not. Um, we saw that in that Bledisloe win there at the end of, uh, of 2017 in Brisbane, um, which was among uh, his final few games before he, he headed off to Japan. Um, how are you using him, mate? Are you bringing him, easing him back into his first game, I guess, uh, in quite some time? Not that either Karevi or, or uh, Quade Cooper have had an issue, um, starting, um, how would you look to use him in the, the coming two weeks against Argentina? Oh, I'm absolutely starting. There's no no question. I think you don't bring a back a guy like this back who's had a quite a controversial career, as Dave pointed out on Thursday. He left Australian rugby earlier than many, many hoped. This is an opportunity to go, well, we're not just giving you the jersey. We're giving you the jersey because you're world-class. You can provide a point of difference. And as you said, it's really required with that forward pack. Uh, you look at guys like Matt Phillip, um, even Isaac Rodder, um, there's probably not enough um, leg drive through the, those two in particular. Um, Sean can offer that. Um, yeah, he, he's a world-class player. And, and, and uh, you, you look at him and Michael Hooper, that's a great combination. I think what it would also allow um, perhaps Fraser McWright an opportunity off the bench um, that potentially Pete Sama is doing a really good job too. And, and it's really tough for him at the moment and it's ultra competitive, but what, what I've been told and I've heard is, you know, people like Fraser might, you might risk a Liam Gill situation where guys go overseas at some point in time because they don't get opportunities against Argentina I think it's an opportunity not to experiment um, because Australia's not in a position to do that. They haven't won three matches straight since 2017. It's a long, long time. Um, yeah. So they've, they've got to reward the guys that have got the job done, but I think there's opportunities just to find a couple of subtle changes to give some guys some added game time. And it just makes the whole squad feel a bit better. And I think of guys like Andy Murrahead, who potentially might sneak a jersey at some point in time, Marik has done brilliantly. We know he is a lock. Um, similarly, Andrew Kellaway just continues to blossom. But but how do you you blood that squad, the overall depth? Because injuries will happen at some point in time. Well, we've seen the All Blacks do it, um, both being forced and, and also yeah. um, on, on the weekend, um, giving a, a lot of other guys uh, a run. And you, you look at a guy like Tauka Aho, who's probably the third or fourth string probably hooker coming into it when you think about uh, Coles Taylor, uh, Safa El Moua and now Taukayaha getting a run. He was about the best player on the field last night um, for the AB. So, um, yeah, it's it's striking that balance, isn't it? You want to keep this momentum going against Argentina, who were a lot better last night um, in Brizzy than their first test last week, and particularly in that second half when really they uh, they controlled a lot of the play and and just couldn't get the ball over the line apart from a delightful cross kick there from the, the number 10 um, Caceres, uh, who looks like a, a real player there, Christy. Yeah, and this is a really important game. No one should be taking the Argentinians for granted at all. We know that often around World Cups, they've been in a couple of semi finals in 2007, 2015. Um, last year, they pluck a win out against the All Blacks um, and, and they held the Wallabies to two draws, matches that the Wallabies thought that they should have won. Um, to continue this winning momentum is imperative, particularly in the Australian climate. You win this and you almost break the back of the Argentinians and then you go to play Japan who haven't played in quite a while. Yes, they played a Lions match and maybe one or two others throughout that July period, but this is a real opportunity for them to not just win two in a row, but go on and then five, win two, yeah. four, five. 
and then you take that confidence onto a spring tour. And this could be the catalyst, these two games against the box into a two-year World Cup cycles. Looking at a World Cup cycle in four years is, is ridiculous. It should be always broken into two years, I think. We saw Eddie Jones do that regarding Dylan Hartley, the former English captain, um, where he led them out off from the canvas in, in 216 through and then to 217, 18 placed, and, and Owen Farrell comes on and adds that. I think the two-year World Cup cycles is how you should be looking at it. Britt, uh, it's a nice segue into uh, uh, an article I tasked with you a couple of weeks ago around the what was the Wallabies' pass mark for the rest of the year. We kind of, and Christy and I discussed it um, following that uh, that loss in the third Bledisloe, I think, as well, um, around what was the pass mark for the rest of the year from the uh, from now what is confirmed as of Friday. They will play Japan on their way up north. So it uh, was eight tests back then, and and now clearly it's uh, it's six to go. Um, I think we said four. We all agreed between the four of us, four from eight was probably a good return. Um, they're halfway there, so surely they've got to move that now and and say let's finish with uh, with six out of eight as a, as a minimum. And and you know uh, clearly the the England Test is the big one up up north. Um, Scotland will be tricky, you would think, first up, but they they'll be short of a run. Um, and Wales, uh, you, you know, the, the Wallabies record, as we mentioned previously, has been slightly dented against them in, in recent times. But suddenly um, those games all look like they, uh, they are genuinely winnable, but it must start this week uh, in Townsville against the Pumas. As we mentioned before, they were much better last night and they gave the Wallabies all kinds of headaches last night by just kind of pulling back from that breakdown and setting their defensive line. Um, no doubt the Wallabies' attack has improved since then and they seem to be finishing with a, I wouldn't call it a ruthless edge just yet, but uh, certainly nailing a few more of those opportunities that they failed to do so last year. But um, they've just got to continue this momentum uh, in the coming two weeks, haven't they? Yeah, definitely. And I think I wrote in my piece that I, I pretty much wrote them off against the box. So, I, you know, maybe they'll sneak home in, in Brisbane, but I, I didn't give them much of a, a chance of getting these two wins. So, um, happily surprised that they got those two those two down and as you mentioned we definitely need this momentum and and the Pumas aren't anyone to um kind of, kind of uh raise your nose about they're they're going to be tough and I, I think they definitely like that kind of frantic pace that um we showed last night so it's not going to be easy and I, I think if we if we do manage to keep that momentum and and get those two wins on the board um we should be really happy with that go to Japan that, that should be um a great little uh test as well we I mean I we shouldn't write it off Japan have known to shock a few a few teams around the world but um that's a nice little momentum builder as well to get to Europe and then um spring tours are the ones that kind of we come undone a bit it's the end of the year we're all tired and, and it's a bit unlucky that we're playing England to finish it all off that's going to be a really hard game to finish it um to kind of round out the whole the whole tour but um yeah definitely we if we if we get up there and get one win, we should be pretty pretty proud of ourselves. But if we can come back with two wins um, out of three up in, in the UK, um, I think that's just an A-plus kind of mark that one. That, that, that would be really spectacular. And, and really pushing it to England, they've, they haven't looked as uh, threatening as they have in, in previous years. Maybe this is the time that we finally um, get one over them, get a win in, in uh, Twickenham. I don't think we've won in Twickenham in what, six or so years now. So or 2015 was the last time we won against England over in Twickenham. So, um, yeah, it's time we kind of um, break the duck and, and, 
you know, come home with uh, with our heads high and, and be happy with what, with what we produce this year. Christy, uh, before we finish up today, um, let's talk a little bit more about the, the situation that led to, to Lockie Swinton's yellow. Now, I don't know what it is about that 10 square metres or five square metres, whatever it is right there, um, but Lockie last year, Corabitti against France, all in that same area off the kickoff, um, you know, near identical situations, I guess you could say. Um, thankfully, last night we had a situation where um, I think everyone could see that, yeah, that's a tackle that with the state of the laws um, and how it's being officiated by World Rugby and, and the guys around, referees um, all over the world, that uh, it was going to be in a little bit of a tr- little bit of trouble. But the fear there was for a long time during that conversation between the, the referee and his officials and the TMO that um, that was looking like a red card from the way they were, they were breaking it down. We had a look at a lot of different angles. I think for most people at home saw that it was shoulder-to-shoulder contact um, to start with, and but still, um, Matthew Carley, uh, referee, um, was certainly leaning down the road of, of giving that a red card and, and you know, the social media and commentators and everyone alike, and particularly in this country, um, uh, we just couldn't believe what was being said. Now, thankfully, the TMO managed to convince Carly otherwise that it was, you know, shoulder to shoulder first and it was evidence of a wrap, um, uh, certainly with one arm. Uh, yellow card, the, the right result, I think we can all uh, agree on. Um, but uh, are we just going to see more of this? Is this the, the situation we're in now? And uh, I don't want to hark back to the red card replacement law, but I'm glad we would have had that in play last night had that have been a red. Um, I guess, mate, how, how did you see the incident? I don't want to talk too long about it because I, I don't think people are, are that interested in, in, in debating it. They either think it's a red card, a yellow card, or they think it's a penalty, you'll just play on. Now, in this instance, I think it was yellow. I think the shoulder and shoulder was clear, but it wouldn't have surprised me had he got red. And, and to be frankly honest, it would have been a good wake-up call for Lockie Swinton because we know that he is a repeat offender in these sorts of things. Um Tackle technique is crucial. We've known for years now, five five years really, that World Rugby has tried to encourage defenders to lower their body height. This was a bloke who was standing almost upright and you run the risk of making contact high. It was, it's, it's yes, Dave Rennie was um, saying that, yeah, there was some late footwork that changed the course of it and, and Lockie wasn't expecting necessarily to be in the position to have to make the tackle. But, you know, that's really an excuse. And as he ended up saying, Dave Rennie, uh, Lockie's in, and we've got to be better. The Wallabies have got to be better. I'll put this question to you, mate. Is it as simple as drilling that exact skill off a kickoff um, in terms of defensive approach that Wallabies just run kickoff after kickoff and just have guys, have Swinton, Corabetti, these guys that want to get up and put that hit on, just to get up there and making a t- tackle in that exact situation. So they're drilling that skill and they're drilling that, um, as you mentioned, that drop in body height so that it becomes muscle memory because at the moment, as you say, the risk is that they're going in hard looking to make that hit, but their body height's too high. Are they just not training that enough so that when they're going in, that's just a natural kind of physical memory at the moment? Can they change that and is that the way to do it? Possibly. I think there's two or three things in this. First, I don't think Dave Rennie was particularly happy with the length of Quade Cooper's restarts. I think that they were fractionally long and they weren't getting, you know, competitive catches or competitive takes in the air. Um, but, but, but on the issue of, of tackling, but perhaps it is, but the mixed messages around Lockie Swinton and what they want 
from Lockie Swinton probably encourages Lockie to um, to hit high. We know that the physicality is something that they're all wanting him to bring, and that's his point of difference. So I, I, I'm not surprised that we're seeing these sorts of things pop up, and and it's not just one-offs. We've seen this three times now throughout the year, four including Marika Corbetti. Um, it, it will continue to happen because, and it will happen across the world because coaches encourage players to try to wrap up the ball, to disrupt the ball, and you tend to do that when they're holding the ball up higher. Um, it's no surprise whatsoever. So it's a real issue around um, coaches with these sorts of players is how accurate can they be? Because if you're millimetres away, then you run the risk. Um, World Rugby is not going to change their take yeah. overnight. And, and this is the new state of play in the game with concussion and head trauma being at the forefront of people's minds. Um, so yes, yes, there is things that you can do certainly to practice from it. And what you've said before is right. But uh, I think Lockie Swinton needs to really go away, have a look hard, like a long, hard look at himself because he runs a real risk of not just being wiped out for one game, but three or four or five or six games because very quickly, as we saw with guys like Chris Aston, as well as Dylan Hartley, is that when you have a reputation, the carryover points continue to build up and you don't end up getting reduced from six to three weeks or eight to four. You're going to spend eight weeks on the sidelines. Absolutely. Uh, I don't know if you guys have seen it, but there was a horrible uh, tackle, a late tackle in, uh, in the the, uh, the top 14 in France last night, which is about the, uh, the easiest decision of a red card I think you'll ever see if you haven't... Uh, had a look, uh, go and seek it out and uh, you'll, you'll no doubt agree. Um, Britt, um, final thoughts uh, on, on anything, the Wallabies' performance uh, moving forward uh, before we wrap up today? Oh, uh, yeah, no, I think it was just a, you know, a fantastic all-round performance. We haven't had that for quite some time. And I, I think I tweeted last night and I wrote about it, you know, um, there was some level-headedness, they were fierce, they remained competitive and they were just resilient. They withstood a, a Springbok storm in that, you know, 15, 20-minute period in the middle of the game that um, previously they, they probably wouldn't have done and they, they probably would have dropped their heads. And um, last night, uh, Michael Hooper ran out for his 60th um, cap as captain. Uh, he's broken the record. And um, I think, you know, he's always been a leader he always led with his actions and I think his team finally followed him last night they, they kind of went to his level and and showed that they they could play with a captain who has been one of the best for, for quite some time yeah well put I think that's a good note to finish on uh, a fantastic late steal from Hoops beneath his yeah, the Wallaby sticks there late in the game when it just looked like the box might be able to, to snatch it with uh, with a couple of late tries of, of how unlikely that looked for the rest of the game Christy sorry mate did you want to jump in no, that's it. Uh, beautiful. Good way to finish. Uh, congratulations to Michael Hooper and to the Wallabies, of course. Um, best win, certainly, of the, the Dave Rennie era and sets up the rest of the year nicely. Um, but as we mentioned, uh, must continue to build that momentum um, the coming weeks against Argentina. And, of course, we get the uh, the one we've all, well, we probably were waiting for beforehand, the, the box in New Zealand. Doesn't look like such a big matchup now, but maybe um, South Africa can uh, find something else in uh, in the weeks under uh, Jacques Ninova, who certainly looks under a little bit of pressure 
Nation now in the Republic. There's a there's some knives out there, and we know how much the uh, South African uh, rugby fans uh, they're not too forgiving uh, when there's back to back losses on the way. So, guys, uh, thanks very much for joining us this Sunday morning. Uh, enjoy picnic day here in Sydney, Christy. I think you got some golf on, Britt. I'm sure you're going to be out and about. So uh, enjoy the sunshine, and uh, we we'll look forward to uh, following your thoughts through the coming weeks, uh, through the rest of the rugby championship and the spring tour.